The Immaculate Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Steelers ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. It's so easy to use, simple, two-tap checkout, and it's not just sports. Also have music and theater tickets available as well. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download GameTime and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. You're listening to the Immaculate Podcast with Tim McMaster and Ed Bichette. Well, it's a good thing the Steelers played the Dolphins on Monday night. I'm not sure they would have beaten any other teams, but they were playing the Dolphins. This is Tim McMaster along with Ed Bouchette. Thanks for tuning in to the Immaculate Podcast. Ed, it's episode 20. We've done 20 podcasts, or by the time we get to the end of this. Uh, did you think we'd make it this far? I thought it seems like it's only been 100 <laughs> that we've done. Uh, 20, wow, we should celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. Break, We're break out the it. champagne. Yeah, that we can celebrate like the uh, the Steelers did last night after finally waking up and, and pulling out a victory. We'll get to Mason Rudolph's performance, uh, how the defense did after the early start, but it was a terrible start, Ed. So we should start there. There was turnovers by Rudolph, a couple interceptions. The defense was missing tackles. The crowd was booing this team, and it was 14 to nothing Dolphins after the first quarter. Um, what was it like in the press box at that point? Uh, you're watching the entire season go down the drain before it was half over, Tim. Um, you know, at, at, at two and five and having lost at home to the Dolphins, that, that would have not played very well anywhere, including this podcast. But, um, you know, it's uh, it, it, at least for the quarterback, I think, um, you don't want to say it was a good thing, but uh, the way he bounced back and recovered, a lot of young quarterbacks would just fall apart at that point. I mean, even look what's going on in Cleveland. Uh, you know, that quarterback was sassy and everything else before the year, and uh, and they're just falling apart, and so is he. So I, I just uh, I liked how he responded. You know, he was 8 of 19 for 93 yards until, the, uh, the to me, the key moment in the game when, when they came after him with an eight-man blitz. The Dolphins did, and he fired that quick pass to uh, Juju Smith, or I'm sorry, Deontay Johnson, and uh, it scored a touchdown right before the half, 17 seconds left. So he's 8 of 19 for 93 yards to that point. After that pass, he's and with one interception, and after that pass, he's 12 of 17 for 158 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. To me, that's a remarkable turnaround. I don't care who you're playing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was almost like something clicked at a point, and I want to get into that that one play. Yeah, the the final numbers for for Rudolph: twenty of thirty six, two fifty one, couple of touchdowns, a pick, eighty four point four the QB rating on that. Um, he did fumble once, but the Steelers were able to recover it. But that play, um, it was interesting. It was late in the half. 
the Dolphins had one defense out there, then called timeout and switched to, I guess they call it their radar defense, which is that eight-man blitz. And and obviously the the idea was, hey, Rudolph isn't playing well in this first half. He's he's either held the ball too long or rushed it, and, and he's just looked like a rookie quarterback. So we'll blitz eight. He'll be confused. You know, who knows what will happen. Maybe even get a turnover out of that. And suddenly instead, Rudolph makes the adjustment on the line to get the proper blocking and he hits the hot receiver. 45 yards later, the Steelers are, are right back in the game, down four at the half. And and um, it was the it was like a quarterback maturing right before our eyes, I felt like. I did too, Tim. And um, then he came out and just, um, you know, he he directed three straight drives. The one was the 50, the first one was the 54-yard field goal that was just a tad short. And then two touchdowns um, on the first three drives of the of the next half, and that you know once they put the game away, but it certainly put it in the Steelers' control uh, after being down fourteen nothing. That's a big hole. I don't care who you're playing. Um, the team, like you mentioned, uh, they were being booed. Uh, they could have gotten really in the dumps, um, but they responded pretty well. So uh, you know they they came out of that not very good injury wise, but uh, at least uh, they they made it for another week, an interesting season, perhaps. Yeah, it certainly is. And we'll get into that later in the podcast, the schedule coming up, because it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks. Now, there's one other throw by Rudolph that I wanted to bring up from that first half, and it was two plays before that long touchdown throw. Uh, and it was also to Johnson, because I thought maybe the best throw of the night was this one. It was down the, the sideline to Johnson, and Rudolph put it in the perfect spot. Johnson makes a one-handed catch and then gets called for uh, offensive pass interference, which I think looking at it, it was questionable at best. He never he never pushed off with the arm necessarily. He never straightened his arm. There was a little jockeying between cornerback and Johnson. But to me, it looked like kind of a, a rookie wide receiver or a, a veteran wide receiver type move out of the rookie. And he makes a great catch down to the one. It, it all went for naught because of the, the offensive pass interference. But that throw, Ed, was just perfectly executed on the spot by Rudolph. Yes, it was, and he made quite a few um, in, the, in you know, after his early struggles, Tim. He, um, you know, we don't know where he's going or, you know, Ben will be back next year. What, you know, Mason probably back to number two. But, you know, it's it's kind of, um, uh, it's, it is interesting to watch his development. Uh, and I thought we saw a whole lot of it in this game. Now, he may come out in the next game and start off the same way. Who knows? But I think this was a really good experience for him. A 14-0 comeback. I mean, you you remember when Bill Cowher was coaching. At any point when they had a lead of more than 10 points in a game, the Steelers, uh, they were like 100, I want to say 109-1-1 under Cowher. Uh, And this was a 14-point deficit, and he the backup quarterback brought them back. Yeah, impressive stuff. Now, um, the one question, I know he said it during the week, Rudolph. He said, I want to get out there. I want to get hit. Um, and he did get hit a couple times. There was one rollout. I think it might have been the first half where he got hit. But then there was a play in that second half. I think it was the the drive where they ended up taking the lead there early in the third quarter. Second and 20, the Steelers were backed up inside their own 20. Um, and Rudolph hung in there. 
Uh, got the pass off to Washington. It was Washington's only catch of the game for 21 yards, and Rudolph got popped on the play. And it was it was oddly kind of like the time he got, you know, when he got popped and took the concussion, but he popped right up and hung in there. And to me, I would think his teammates see that, look at it, and they say, all right, now Mace, he's back. He's This is our guy, seeing a play like that where he's able to hang in there, make the throw, and get hit because you're going to get hit. Oh, you know, we – we see the whole thing developing from the press box, Tim, and you could see the cornerback, Nick Needham, uh, just closing in on him, and it didn't look like he was going to have time to get rid of it. He, it almost looked like he was oblivious to the rush, and maybe he was, I don't know, but he just stood in there, and it, after he uncorked it, um, Needham hit him, and then de- a defensive end, Charles Harris, hit him again, and like you said, he just popped up, and... Um, uh, continued to, uh, and that was, by the way, uh, a 21-yard t- pass completion um, on second and 20 and to his buddy again, James Washington, and that's who he completed that pass to against Baltimore when Earl Thomas knocked him out. Um, and that they continued on, and, and he wound up throwing that incredible pass to Juju Smith-Schuster. I should say incredible catch mostly yeah. because uh, – Schuster caught it off the helmet of the cornerback for the touchdown. Yeah, he he absolutely did. And the, the receivers made plays in this game, and, and that feels like a, a big step. Juju had the five catches for over 100 yards and, and looked like a number one. Uh, Deontay had five catches for 85. That was Washington's only catch. But overall, 11 catches by the wide receivers. This has been an offense this season that it's been a lot of throws to the running backs, a lot of short stuff, and Rudolph threw it deep a lot. And you know what? There was the offensive pass interference. There was some defensive pass interference, but he was giving his receivers a chance to to make plays on that touchdown. You mentioned Juju obviously made made the tremendous play, um, but that was that's a part of this offense that they were kind of, I don't know if keeping under wraps or Rudolph wasn't comfortable yet to do it, but they weren't throwing deep, and you could see the difference that it can make in, in scoring points, and they needed it down 14 early in this game. Yeah, they did, and um, you know the running game came through and, and the passing game, and again, this is, a, this is not a very good Dolphins team, and they just traded their leading rusher yeah. before the game. Um, and, uh, you know, Minka... Fitzpatrick, who they traded to the Steelers after the first week, had a lot to do with last night's game too, because uh, he uh, he had those two interceptions, and uh, one led to a touchdown, and the other was at the three that where they started a ninety-seven yard touchdown drive. Yeah, huge plays by uh, Minka, who won the battle of Fitzpatrick's over Ryan, uh, picking him off a, a couple of times in the game. Uh, you mentioned, who knows, Rudolph could come out the next game and struggle early as well. He's a rookie quarterback, and, and that is part of this. Um, it's not going to be a, a straight trajectory of improvement, right? There's going to be bumps along the way, two steps forward, one step back, all the little cliches you can throw in there. Um, that said, it, it seems like he's... We've we've seen now with the deep throws and his ability to to drive this team, even though it was against the Dolphins, that Rudolph is a quarterback that that can be a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think if nothing else, that has been proven here, Ed. I don't know, Tim. I don't know that You're it's not? proven okay. yet. No, right. uh, I want to see more. Um, you think he he's going to be able to do that, but um, it's only four games or four starts anyway, and he's two and two in those starts. And to me, he's. Uh, 
That, that first quarter is as bad as he's looked all year. The first you know, yeah. 13, 14 minutes and a half, you know. Um, so I, I think the jury's still out if you want to use a cliché. We're all about the cliches. We're going to keep piling, <laughs> piling them up. Uh, if you want, I don't a little write more... them. I just say them. <laughs> uh, a little more on on Mason Rudolph. If you want to check it out on the Athletic, Stephen Nesbitt wrote a, a neat story this week about his relationship with Luke May, the uh, star basketball player at North Carolina. Their two dads played football at North Carolina, and they've been friends since college, and the two kids kind of grew up together. And like, uh, for some reason, Stephen Nesbitt's feature stories always have great photos um, from the past, and it's a couple good ones of, of Mason Rudolph and, and Luke May in that one from when they were real little kids. So, so check that one out. You mentioned the running game, Ed, and it was great. Um, but I'm not sure where the Steelers are from here because of the injuries. But let's start on the let's focus on the good to begin with. And that was James Conner was a beast in this game. 23 carries, 145 yards. He had a touchdown before he left the game late with an AC joint injury. Um, they got Roosevelt Knicks back for this game. He had missed five games in a row with the knee injury. How much of a factor in the run game was having the fullback out there? Mm. I'm not so sure, Tim. Uh, I saw Knicks make a couple good blocks, and I saw him not block. Um, you know, it, it's strange to me. They, they, they try and run the ball in the pass. They don't use the fullback, and all of a sudden they decide to use the fullback. And Knicks is back. Hey, well, he was healthy at the start of the season. Where was he? He hardly played at all on offense. He was mostly on special teams. So um, I don't know that it was Knicks. I, I think uh, the line blocked well for the run. You know they 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 um, uh, they use the extra tight ends a lot and uh, the tackle at the tight end. So I, I just um, uh, I I don't know if it was the fullback. They certainly did go in the I formation a lot, but you know they also I think Zach Banner was out there like twelve plays on offense. The tackle, the big tackle, as a kind of extra tight end, tackle eligible. Right. Yeah, Rudolph actually joked about that after the game, saying, "Yeah, one of these, one of these times we got to throw him a pass because he comes in and, and they make the announcement that he's eligible." And and Rudolph said he looked at him, he said, "Really, you, you're eligible?" And and Banner they had a little laugh about that. Um, all right, so if it wasn't Knicks, um, you mentioned beefing up the line a little bit. I would imagine that the fact that they actually did throw the ball down the field couldn't have hurt this running game either. No, uh, that's what they need. Um, you know, it's it's pretty simple, Tim. If you if you can run the ball, it opens it up for the pass, and if you can pass the ball, it opens it up for the run. And that's why they always talk, they've talked forever about getting balance on this team. You know, this is not uh, Dan Marino's Dolphins. Uh, it's uh, it's a team that, that it's an offense that, that does like to run the ball and throw it a little more uh, when Ben's in there. And, you know, we saw that with... Uh, the killer bees, they like to throw a lot. Even, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger. But they still want to run the ball, and they were able to do that. Hey, look, everybody's been able to do that against the Dolphins. I, 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 I don't know if they were the worst rush defense in the league, but they were close to it. Yeah, we'll keep that in the back of our minds, right? This this was a good performance in the second half, but it was against a terrible team that they never should have been down fourteen to nothing, two in the first place. Um, so the 
Let's switch things over to the defense a little bit, which did not allow a point after that first quarter. And they were put in a tough spot in that first quarter, too. That first drive was just 26 yards after the Mason Rudolph touchdown. Second drive was a little lengthier, and the defense missed some tackles on that drive, too. They weren't great in that first quarter either, um, but they picked it up, and they did what they've done all season, and that is turn the ball over. They won the battle again on Monday night, 4-1, to one. Um, and a veteran quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick, they were able to to turn him over. Just what was your grade on this defense as a whole? Then we'll get into some specific performances. But it was a slow start, but but what's your grade for them? I'll give them a B, uh, Tim. You know, it, it, again, you have to temper it, I think, a little bit. They're playing the Dolphins. As you said, they, they were put in a hole right away with that um, Mason Rudolph interception that he threw early on. Um, I think the Dolphins started at the at midfield. Anyway, um, yeah, they missed a couple tackles. Devin Bush and Mark Barron missed two tackles inside the five on the second touchdown that made it 14 nothing. But nevertheless, um, you know, they did rebound, and um, they had, what, four sacks, uh, four turnovers. That's, that's, that's pretty good any time. Yeah, certainly. And we talked about Minka a little bit earlier and the, the two interceptions. Um, he's a guy that that's not super talkative. You, you don't expect to after the game him to say anything about the Dolphins or anything. This was his quote. He said, I'm pretty sure that after any game I had two picks that I have a smile on my face. It was my former team and my former teammates. It's an NFL game. If I had two picks last week or two picks next week, I'm going to have a smile on my face. So basically saying that it wasn't any extra, there wasn't any extra sweetness to it, the fact that it was against his old team and a place that he wanted to get out of. That said, do you think that maybe in the back of his mind, Minka felt a little special about this game and to be able to do this against that team? Oh, of course, Tim. Um, Look, anytime in any competitive situation, now he has only spent, what, uh, a year, a year and one game with the Dolphins, really, right. uh, but still, any they, you know, they drafted him. He wanted out of there. Uh, everybody knows uh, pretty, pretty uh, uh, proficiently. He wanted. He made it known that he wanted out there, out of Miami, and um, to come back and get two interceptions against his old teammates. Um, yeah, you 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 know that was special for him, and he now leads the team with three interceptions, which is. I think one more than anybody on the team had all of last season. All right, so some of the other standouts from this game. uh, T.J. Watt, you mentioned the four stacks. T.J. Watt had two of them, three quarterback hits. Uh, He had the strip sack, forced fumble, and the recovery. Now four sacks on the season. Um, It was a tough weekend for the Watt family as J.J.'s out for the year now with the the torn pectoral muscle for Houston. So T.J.'s kind of kind of carry the banner for the Watts, and he just continues to to emerge as the leader of this defense. Did did anything stand out to you from Watts' performance, or has this just become kind of what we expect from him? Well, you know what was interesting, Tim? Early on, they were using him like a, as a down lineman in a three-point stance over the tackle. Um, you know, that's, that's tough to ask of a linebacker. And... Um, you know, I think it was because Stefan Tuitt is gone and they were trying some different things. And um, he still was able to, now he didn't play that way the whole game, but he was still able to go um, and get those two sacks. Um, he, he had a lot of pressures and um, 
you know, Chicolo is out. Uh, so he, uh, uh, they did rotate Adenigi in there, although Adenigi, and uh, I didn't think he did a whole lot, but, um, you know, more there's more pressure now on Dupree and, and Watt with Chicolo out. Yeah, and Dupree and Watt both um, getting pressure all night. And the other key injury you mentioned is Tuit, and he was out. And uh, we talked on the podcast on Friday with Mark a little bit about how they would handle missing Tuit and how they would use Hargrave to kind of move out of that nose tackle spot in sub packages and move over a little bit and kind of affect the defense that way because he is the type of player that, despite his uh, his dimensions, is capable of doing that. Uh, he didn't have a big statistical night, but it seemed like he keyed things for, for his buddy Cam Hayward, who had a big night on the D-line. So without Tuit as a whole, I thought the defensive line stood its ground pretty well. Hayward had six tackles, a sack, a couple quarterback hits um, overall. But So so the D-line, no Tuit. We knew they had depth there, and that seemed to be the way it played out, at least against the Dolphins. Yeah, and you know they're going to have to continue to do that, Tim. Um the one thing is uh, they don't play in any real hot weather. Well, they have to go to Arizona, but that that roof may be over, maybe up by then. And plus, it's in December, right. uh, so it won't be too hot out there. But uh, you know, when it is hot, they like rotating those guys. So we're heading in toward uh, November now, and um, you know that won't be as big a factor, but. Uh, Boy, I tell you, they, they can't afford any more injuries there either. All right, it's the, the time of the week we always love because it means the Steelers won a game, and that is game balls, Ed. We're going to do um, offense, defense. We'll each pick one for offense and defense. I'll let you have the, uh, the, on, the only special teams pick. Um, so let's start on offense. Who's your game ball going to? Um, I hate to you know be so obvious, but I, I'm going to give it to Mason Rudolph because of um, – you know, everything was going bad, and uh, that change in the blocking on that uh, eight-man blitz, zero coverage, if you will, radar, whatever Miami calls it, uh, that was, that was to me, the biggest play of the game, and um, uh, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to Connor, and yes, he ran. It was great as far as the performance, 23 carries, 145 yards, but but he gets bonus points because in the second half, he gets tackled at one point, and he goes down into the ground, and he comes up, and he has like the entire Heinz Field turf in his face mask hanging off, and it was just, just one of those classic football kind of moments where the guy's just wearing the turf hanging off his mask. He almost looked like he had a, a beard of dirt. So I'm going to give it to, uh, to Connor for that. All right, on to the defensive side. Uh, TJ Watt, um, you could do, you could, you could, there are two really to me was, uh, make a, uh, Fitzpatrick, which, you know, his second interception really was on third down and it was at the three yard line. Uh, they would have punted after that because it was, it would have been fourth and 10, Miami would have, and uh, he could have knocked that down, and maybe they would have gotten better field position, but I don't know that you blame a cornerback for trying to intercept the ball like that. Um, but I'm going to give it to T.J. Watt. He had uh, those two sacks, 16 yards and losses, three quarterback hurries, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Not a bad day. 
Yeah, that's a pretty good day at the office for sure. And I will give mine to Minka because um, he is the other clear guy. The two interceptions, so he actually has two game balls maybe that he can take home with him. Um, but uh, to win the battle of the Fitzpatricks and to do it against his old team, um, I think was was special for Minka. So I'll give the defensive game ball to him. And then how about the special teams? Well, I didn't notice any real special plays, so I'm yeah. going to give it to Boswell. Even though he missed his first field goal of the year, it was a 54-yarder. It was straight on, just short, uh, Tim, and that showed the confidence the coaching staff has in him to let him try that 54-yarder. Uh, he made two others, um, what, 41 yards and uh, 42 yards, and um, the 42-yarder was their accounted their, for their first points of the game. And, um, you know, he made that one at the end that made it uh, 27-14. That was their last score. And uh, he's been really kicking well this year. You know, he's back. He hasn't had really to make a, a so-called clutch kick. And what I mean by that is one at the end of a game to win it like he he did throughout 2017. And uh, that's the only thing that he has not done yet. And uh, so I'll, I'll give it to him. Yeah, and that opportunity may be on the horizon. We'll have to see. Were you surprised they let him take a shot at that 54-yarder? Which I, I thought was. actually off the foot, <laughs> I thought it was going to be good on the television. I don't know how it looked in person, but it looked it looked good off the foot on TV. Yeah, it was dead on. And, you know, uh, that was a good sign because when he was missing last year, it, it wasn't because it was short. Uh, he was he – was, Bad. I mean, he he was really missing them last year, and uh, but he's back. And um, I was surprised they let him do it. Uh, usually, what Mike Tomlin will do, um, he'll go to his special teams coach Danny and uh, say, uh, "What do you think?" He, yeah, he's in he's in his range, or you know, there's no wind. There was no wind there. It was at the what used to be the open end zone. It's still slightly more open than than the other end, uh, and that used to be notoriously tougher the kick um but the wind had no no effect whatsoever and like i said it was just barely short i don't know maybe a couple yards it's hard to tell all right one other thing before we get to the future here in the next few weeks and what they're up against um tomlin um first challenge win since january of 2017 which to me is crazy um he doesn't challenge a lot of plays um, but this was kind of a, an interesting one, and it took forever. Certainly slowed the game down, but they challenged the spot of the ball, Ed, late in the game, and, and it ends up turning into a turnover for him. So uh, I guess we can tip our caps to, to Mike Tomlin for um, getting off the schneid as far as the challenges go. Yeah, you know what, Tim? It was on the spot of a ball, and that's what has done him in so many times because normally, uh, even if, let's just say the coach is right in the spot, um, should have been this or that. They hardly ever change it, but they did that time, and it was a key point of the game. Yeah, those ones are tough, um, and, and I think we've learned the last few weeks that that pass interference challenges are completely useless. So I think coaches will be getting away from them. All right, so three and four is where this Steelers team sits, and actually, amazingly, in second place now in the AFC North, which has become kind of a dreadful division in the NFL with the way the Browns have been. Um, but certainly two games coming up here that are going to be challenging. And I think as opposed to the Dolphins game, we're really going to get an idea of, of if, if the Steelers team can make a run at the postseason. It's Colts and Rams back-to-back, 5-2 -back, and two Colts, 5-3 and three Rams. But, Ed, both these games are at home. Um, 
I feel like one and one is good enough to keep them in the fight with Browns, Bengals, Browns coming up on the other side of that. Do you think that, or do you feel like they have to win both these games? No, I think you're right. The way the AFC is going, one and one uh, will keep them in at least a wild card race. Tim, 0 oh and 2 would be, I don't know if it would be a fatal blow, but uh, if you're looking at, uh, what, 3 and 6, that's not, not, a, not a good thing. Um, but 4 and 5, you're able to do it. And hey, if they win two in a row, they might be right back in the division race. Um, now, the problem is, of course, the injuries at running back. Um, and these are two good teams coming in here. It looks like, uh, you know, the Colts are calling them the cardiac Colts now, the way they keep pulling games out at the end like they did this past Sunday. And then the Rams, uh, the Super Bowl um, near winners <laughs> last year, uh, went on a rough stretch there, but seems to ha- seem to have maybe uh, turned things back around for them. So at least uh, they get to play those games at home. Uh, but we'll see on this running back situation, Tim. That could hurt, really hurt them. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Um, you'll see if Samuels is back. You, you get the idea that Connor in a short week isn't going to be able to come back from that AC joint, but um, it seems like they, they almost have to get Jalen Samuels back if they're going to be able to compete with those teams. Yeah, I'd be a little surprised if Connor can make it, um, you know, uh, or that they want to rush him back. It's a short week, Tim, and uh, that AC joint, you know, that's what James Washington had. That He, he was fortunate to have had a bye week uh, as part of that, but did miss the game out in Los Angeles. And uh, But I think Jalen Samuels, Samuels is going to be ready. Uh, he looked ready last week when, when he was at practice. Uh, was running on the side and looked pretty good to me. So I think uh, I think he'll be ready. At this point right now, we don't know what's going on with Snell. He has a knee injury. That's all that, that we know right now. We don't know the severity of it. Uh, and then, you, you, you know, you're know you going into Trey Edmonds uh, after that. Yeah, and that's not where you want to be going. No, no offense to Trey Edmonds, but you don't want him to be the main guy, even though he went to Maryland, and I know I'm in, insulting our producer, Marissa, by uh, saying anything negative about a Terp. But, um, but fourth-string running back is not where you want to go against the Colts and the Rams. Um, around the division, the Ravens also play in the Patriots this week, so a chance maybe for the Steelers to pick up some ground in the division race as well. It's certainly going to be interesting, and I mentioned after these two tough games, it's Browns, Bengals, Browns, and a chance for the Steelers to maybe really get rolling if they can survive these two games. It's going to be interesting, Ed, but they've, they've stayed alive for now, and I think three and four at this point, and they certainly could be a lot better if you look at the, the losses they've taken. Um, they've, they've righted the ship, if nothing else. All right, well... If you uh, need some more podcasts in your life beyond this football one and you're in Pittsburgh there, a Pittsburgh fan, check out our Pirates podcast here on The Athletic. Yin's Above Replacement, they'll have an episode coming out this week because of all that's going on with that Pirates team, the firing of Neil Huntington and the hiring of a new team president. So check out that one. I mentioned Stephen Nesbitt and his story on Mason Rudolph. He's one of the hosts of the uh, Yin's Above Replacement podcast podcast so check that one out check out ed on twitter as well at ed bouchette to follow him we want to thank our producer marissa morris as well we will be back later in the week with a exclusively on the athletic available podcast that one with mark caboli thanks for tuning in to the immaculate podcast 